Mecham Auctions, the world's largest collector car auction company, returns to Indy with Dana Mecham's 37th Original Spring Classic, May 10th through the 18th at the Indiana State Fairground. 3,000 muscle cars, Corvettes, exotics, and more. Broadcast on Motor Trend TV and streaming live on Max. From avid collectors to those new to the Mecham experience, we welcome everyone. Register to bid now at Mecham.com. Tony Katz, the morning news, 93 WIBC. My name is Craig Collins filling in. Thrilled to be with you. Tony is back tomorrow. Um, I don't understand, and I'll just continue to talk about it this way, uh, why politicians waste so much time on things they know don't have any meaning. Uh, they know that they don't have any purpose, at least right now. Uh, this um, conversation that will happen tonight, and even the passing of some of that legislation for Proposal 156, I think back in June is when they first uh, passed that among party lines, at least in the Criminal Justice Committee uh, that speaks on this kind of stuff, the Public Safety and Criminal Justice Committee. Um, all of the actions here are meaningless because of an Indiana um, law that prevents anyone in any part of the state that is not the state itself from regulating a lot of the things that they're going to try to regulate uh, in Indianapolis. And the reason they're doing it, according to the mayor, is that this is something that many, many people in the city want. Well, there's many, many people in the city that don't want this. Here's what fascinates me about gun control, first and foremost. And I'm going to dive into an area where Tony Katz is absolutely a much more an expert than I am as someone who, um, you know, uh, recently uh, is contemplating uh, getting my first gun. And this is something that I've wanted to do for a little bit. And a lot of my family members who are uh, military are very excited at the idea of me uh, going out and shooting with them more often. Um, but what I think is so fascinating about it is that up until you start to get acclimated even a little bit into any understanding of, of owning a gun, of using a gun, of any of that stuff, and a vast majority of people, especially younger people, I'm a millennial, have no real interest in that, uh, you're very easily manipulated by politicians, and they know it. You're, it's very, very easy to say to anyone that has no understanding, no experience, no connection whatsoever uh, to guns, that guns are the problem. And those people um, echo chamber that idea as much as they possibly can, and no one really tries to evaluate it any differently within that group of people because they have no interest in hearing any of the conversation, any of the argument, any of the, the logic uh, behind any of this. And even more than that, uh, what I think is fascinating is all the data uh, that exists in the world of banning semi-automatic assault weapons, uh, which is something that I think is in uh, Proposal 156 itself, doesn't work. We had a national ban on assault weapons from 94 to 2004. And if you dive into the data, and I feel like I'm, I'm just repeating this all the time when I talk about this, uh, it had zero impact on, on gun violence, zero impact. I'll say that again. There was no change in the amount of people that were killed by guns because the gun, in fact, is not the, the uh, thing acting. Uh, the gun is a, a, a piece of, of equipment uh, that people use for all different kinds of things. It is not something that has a mind of its own and can behave on its own. It needs someone to choose the behavior of the gun, uh, which is just sort of a silly, ridiculous thing that we even have to argue about, and yet we do. But it's just fascinating to me again. I'm going to move on after this because, as I said, Tony's the expert. I'm not. I don't even own a gun. I'm contemplating getting one, though, because, well, it's fun uh, to go to the range and shoot. That That's just fun. Uh, but anyway, um, um, I just think it's fascinating because performative politics plus purposefully using a misunderstood topic for the vast majority of people who end up supporting it 
is exactly what makes politicians so terrible. It makes them so awful at their job is that they take advantage of things like this in this way and it's meaningless, but it'll probably cause a bunch of additional conversations, debate, and probably um, a bunch of, of anger within the community, uh, the community of Indianapolis for people that care about second amendment rights and people that don't. Um, and that is obviously not the approach that actually solves any of these problems. All right, uh, one other thing, I just think it's interesting and then we'll go ahead and move on entirely, take a break and whatnot. Uh, ABC had an interview uh, where Martha Raddatz pushed John Kirby, a White House spokesperson. Uh, this was very, very interesting, at least a minute or so of this, in the world of discussing the discussing the cluster ammunitions, discussing Ukraine. And then actually one thing that John Kirby said is, is really worrisome in a very, very different way. But hold on, let me make sure you can actually hear this audio, and then we can uh, go ahead and hit play one more time. Cluster munitions, the president made the decision to send cluster munitions. They are banned in so many places around the world, including most of our allies. Why send them to Ukraine? Simple. This is about keeping Ukraine in the fight. You were just there. You talked to President Zelensky about the counteroffensive, and in some ways it's, it's not going as, um, as fast as he would like. Um, they are using artillery at a very accelerated rate, Martha, many thousands of rounds per day. This is literally a gunfight. Uh, and I'm already going to stop it there. Uh, one thing that I find interesting is if you are getting supplied a bunch of different ammunitions from other countries, I wonder if you're more willing to utilize those ammunitions in ways that say we wouldn't. And what I mean by that is, are you more of the assumption that if you say uh, take additional action in areas where maybe you're not even needed to take said action, uh, not just in a counteroffensive, but say you're you're over overly just um, um, making sure that say certain areas uh, aren't um, areas where a lot of enemies are, and so you're just wasting ammunitions during your fight. You're doing it because you expect to be provided more, uh, since your country is not limited by whatever capability it has itself. Uh, you're being supplied ammunitions by multiple countries, including, of course, a lot by the United States. I wonder if that makes them less likely uh, to be using them as well as they could be uh, using them. But that's a question. That's a different question. Let's continue. And uh, in, in all along, from the Donbass all the way down towards Zaporizhia and Kherson. Uh, and so they're running out of inventory. Um, we are trying to ramp up our production of the kind of artillery shells that they're using most. But that production rate is still not where we want it to be. So we're going to send these additional artillery shells that have cluster bomblets in them uh, to help bridge the gap as we ramp up production of normal 155 artillery shells. So, it will so keep you're them sending in the fight. those cluster munitions because we don't have enough of the kind of munitions they need. That is right. Okay, that is terrifying if he calls them normal ammunitions and we don't have enough of them for ourselves. Uh, that's where that conversation often goes. Are we providing too much uh, to Ukraine at the expense of having enough to protect ourselves? And we always say no. Uh, we always say that our military, of course, has other capabilities in other ways. And there's a certain substantial amount of things we're not supplying Ukraine that we're, um, you know, um, thus protecting ourselves uh, with. But that, that's terrifying that we're trying to ramp up production to provide something anywhere else in the world for any reason whatsoever at a time when we don't have enough of it, I would assume, even for our own use. Um, but to say what he says uh, about the idea that, you know, we're going to continue providing these weapons and there's a debate about the, the safety of that um, ammunition cluster bombs because they are more of a threat to civilians. 
Uh, but that's not even the, the core context of what he said in the first minute of this interview. It's much more about how you're providing now ammunitions for a counteroffensive uh, that is going at rates that you don't expect as the United States. So, so you're watching a military uh, act differently than we would act, of course, because of their limited capability, and you're oversupplying them with things that they are potentially wasting. I, it, it's fascinating when you hear the words said by the person saying them, and then you wonder how people, it feels very similar uh, to the gun control conversation I was having a second ago, uh, where people are just willfully ignorant of an aspect of this and then support it uh, blindly and don't understand exactly how things are going or why there are reasons to question.